Now, the vault matters, and it still matters. Michael uh, puts out a tweet every day on it, and you need to pay attention to that every day. I'm going to give you an idea how to uh, continue to pay attention to it and not drive yourself crazy, because you must continue to pay attention to it. You should not have hope that it goes to zero. Good morning, I'm Vince Lancy, and this is the Arcadia Economic Silver Fix. It's about 1 p.m. when this will be broadcast. I'm recording at 9.40 in the a.m. Monday morning. I'm going to be talking about three things today in brief, keeping it tight. Today, we're going to talk about vaulted silver. We're going to talk about solid-state batteries a little bit, and we'll go through the market behavior from last week. So let's get going on that. Okay, these are some notes that I wrote. Recently... We're starting with solid state batteries, right? We'll come to vaulted silver in a second. Recently, Toyota announced its breakthrough into solid state batteries for EV and home use. Now, we've all uh, probably seen some of those stories. Solid state batteries are particularly exciting because they are more energy dense and the current electrolyte than the current electrolyte based lithium ion batteries, meaning they can be smaller, way less in theory, and aren't prone to catching fire and exploding. Uh, their problem is currently how long they last, but that may be solved. The problem with how long they last has to do with uh, uh, their edges. Uh, they, without getting too wonky about it, uh, they deteriorate faster. Certain mineral deposits have been identified as suitable minerals for solid state batteries. These minerals, while not made of silver, have molecules of silver suspended in them that serve as carriers of electrical current. Now you haven't read about this, probably not yet, uh, but it's out there and it's public information. And I have a story on here for you guys to read. Now Toyota hasn't said that they're doing what I'm about to explain to you, but I think that's part of their, of their calculus. Uh, the minerals contain other materials. While solid, they actually flex and permit the movement of those silver molecules back and forth. This flexibility acts as a liquid while the silver molecules act as a solid moving through the liquid. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about relatively common minerals that are found in nature. Minerals are a combination of elements. So they have molecules of silver and they have molecules of other things in there. And what people are finding, what their scientists have figured out finally is that when you run a current through them, the silver molecules move back and forth like a pinball machine. So the rest of the minerals, which are less dense, expand and almost create space for the silver to move back and forth, creating some elements of a, uh, of a solid state uh, and a liquid state at the same time. So a solid state battery, uh, some of the pros of solid states are, uh, well, they're solid and they're more compact and there's a lot of other things going on there. But one of the pros of, of liquid is that they move through with less wear and tear. So that's that's the facts on it. If you want to read more about that, and I suggest you read more about that. Uh, where is that? There we go. This was put out last year uh, recently. New study unlocks secrets of solid state batteries heading to households and EVs. So here's a picture of the lattice, right? So here's the mineral and the bigger molecules are in gray, right? And the, the silver molecules are in yellow or gold or orange, depending on what your eyesight looks like. And when the charge runs through them, they move back and forth. The authors describe it as a very, very shallow 
well. And uh, the uh, silver molecules are like ball bearings and they can move freely back and forth within the well. So the rock is the well. Now, is this bullish for silver? Yeah, of course it is. Is it bullish for silver tomorrow? No, it's not bullish tomorrow. But the, the fact of the matter is this mineral, which is supposedly uh, inexpensive, uh, can be used uh, in solid state batteries. Now, if this is a viable way to do it, it won't be inexpensive long. Second, the thing that they cannot fabricate is silver. Everything else can be fabricated. So they're probably going to try and create a lattice type of system with silver ball bearings in it. Uh, let me see. Solid state battery researchers are extremely excited about a silver containing mineral known as agridite, uh, argyridites, because they are an excellent lithium ion superconductor and they're cheap and work well at room temperature. By using machine learning, they figured out basically by using machine learning what's going on inside of them. It's sort of like the silver atoms are marbles rattling around the bottom of a very shallow well, moving about like the crystalline scaffold isn't solid. They're referring to the other minerals as a scaffolding uh, that the uh, that the silver can move back and forth on. Uh, the duality of a material living between both a liquid and solid state is what I find most surprising, right? So it's basically a very complex lattice that gives the, the appearance of liquid, uh, but silver is so dense that it uh, will not liquefy as electricity is running through it. Uh, Agaridites uh, uh, are not the only exciting arena in solid state batteries. Other research is focusing on using ceramic solid electrolytes and on, right, so this is their, this is their attempt to synthesize it. Uh, you could have a solid ceramic and you could have silver inside that. I'm not sure how that works. But uh, the fact of the matter is, if, if, if this is successful, this is what's going on in Toyota. Uh, uh, you may say, why isn't silver going up? Because in, at first, it's not directly silver. It's silver found in little rocks. But they'll start making them. This is going to be home batteries. This is going to be... Uh, your ever-ready battery uh, for lithium iron. That's basically it. Uh, I mean, this is this is a couple months ago, right? So uh, prototype sales and a pilot line and play by 2025. I'm sure Toyota is doing something like this. I'm sure of it. Uh, so that's that's solid state batteries. I've I've unlocked this, and because it's not my article, I didn't write it, and I put it on the front page. Anyone who signs up is going to get two weeks premium on top of being able to see this. So I suggest you do that and like and subscribe and follow and all those other uh, things you should be doing uh, for Arcadia Economics. Let's move on to uh, vaulted silver. Okay, last week, friend, colleague, and collaborator, uh, Bai Xiaojun made a, a Twitter statement that might've confused some people because of the language barrier. No need to pay more attention than we already are to changes in silver vaults. Both exchanges have international members. When vaults drop, they will import silver and store it in two exchange vaults. The changes refer to the complex status of supply, demand, import, export, and other factors. Now, I, I think it was kind of interesting and, and in, a, in, a, in, a, in a respected way uh, that he made that statement when he did, because about a week before I had been wanting to talk a couple of weeks before, you know, I wanted to talk to you about vaults and how important, unimportant they are. And I never got to it because I really didn't have, I wasn't inspired to, to write about it. Uh, but this statement 
is the point that we're talking about now. Uh, when we're talking about something that you hear very commonly in trading, uh, economics specifically, called flow and stock or stock and flow. You hear about that when I talk about QE. Uh, if you read the higher end zero edge articles, you'll hear stock and flow. You hear about it. You hear about it when you're talking about troops in wars, uh, how many troops are there versus how many are coming and going. That's stock and flow. Um, and we're, it's now important in silver. Uh, when gold is a stock model for the most part, meaning it's uh, how much is there. It's always there. It's always going to be there. You know, that's why I talk about uh, Bitcoin in that way as well. It's a stock model. How much is there? Not at any given time, but how much is there on earth? It's just there. Silver, when it's precious, is a stock model. No one's digging for it. Let's pretend no one's digging for it, right? Whatever we have is what we have. That's what we're going to use. And that's why the vault matters. Now, the vault matters. And it still matters. Michael uh, puts out a tweet every day on it. And you need to pay attention to that every day. I'm going to give you an idea how to uh, continue to pay attention to it and not drive yourself crazy. Because you must continue to pay attention to it. You should not have hope that it goes to zero, which is the byproduct of what I'm about to tell you. So when, when an asset is trading on, on stock, it's trading how much there is. How much is in the vault? When the vault is relatively stable, plus or minus 3 million ounces, you look at the, the moving average of it over time, you're not, you're not interested in, in, in flow. You're not interested in what's coming in and what's going out. You're interested in the average base. But when a metal starts to deplete, as it did when the whole silver squeeze thing started in, in 2020, um, uh, you have to, at some point, start to look at this as a flow model. Now, if you look at it in a flow sort of way as it's depleting, that's a bad thing. But if you look at it as a flow model now, that's what you should be looking at as. So to put it a little bit differently, when silver is a precious metal, it's a, it's a stock model. It's more stock than flow. When silver is a uh, used industrially, it's more of a flow model. So how much is in the vault doesn't matter as much when it's low as it does when it's high going to low. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at his statement there. When vaults drop, they will import silver and store it into two exchange vaults. The changes refer to the complex status of supply, demand, import, export, and other factors. All right. So by analogy, this, uh, analogies are better. And I'll, I'll bring you towards exactly what stock and flow means. Right. The vault is a still or a snapshot of where silver is. The move, and that used to be the most important thing. Why? Because nobody cared about it in and out of the vault. It's what was in the vault that mattered. And nothing would happen outside the vault on either side, supply and demand, until the vault gets drained down. Now that the vault's been drained down, we care about it. So uh, when nothing is happening, it's a still shot. When the market starts draining, it becomes a flow trade. It's a moving picture. It's, I don't care about that still. I care about what leads to that still and what goes away from that still. Another analogy would be, uh, you have a couple siblings and you have, so there's three of you 
and you have a, a freezer with three ice pops in it, one for each of you, and your mom and dad or whoever, whoever happens to be uh, blessed with watching you that day is out buying more. What are you watching? You're watching the freezer to make sure that your siblings don't take more than one, right? Okay. That's watching the stock. But you already know who's spoken for in that stock, right? One for each of you. So what you want to look for is you want to look for the flow. You want to look at, not the freezer, but look at the front door. because Or you want to look in the driveway when your mom and dad pull up. Because when that new delivery of ice pops comes, that's going to go up in inventory. Now, on the other hand, if someone else were to come in the house, that's a guest that isn't allocated one of those three ice pops, your uncle, who happens to be a big ice pop eater, that's also flow. That's demand. So people coming in the front door is what you care about. That's a flow trade. We know what's in the freezer. We know it's spoken for. I'm telling you guys, the metal that's in, in the COMEX is spoken for. If it's not spoken for, well, then the COMEX has got a big problem. Um, so if you're looking at a movie still, you're looking at the stock. If you're looking at the context, you're looking at the flow in and out, right? Uh, the ice pop analogy. Another analogy for physics fans, the blue dot there, that's the, uh, I almost called the freezer. That's the vault, the blue line. That's the metal coming in and metal going out. And the dot was, when the dot was bigger and the silver didn't move, it was a stagnant pond, you cared about the dot. Now that the dot has depleted, you care about the flow. So one other thing about the vaults. Vaults serve two purposes for people in business. Well, more than two, but the two that I want to talk about here are storage and certification. Yes, you store your silver there. Yes, it makes it also makes it easier because, uh, because your silver is stored there, it can be uh, easily conveyed to someone who wants to buy it or if you want to buy it from someone. The other reason is it's certified. Once it's certified, you don't have to go through that process again. And that makes your silver acceptable officially everywhere else. So even if there were no silver left in the vault, that's not going to happen. Put it this way, if it does, God bless, because there's going to be some problems. Um, the certification process is important. Comex silver, LBMA silver, or gold is acceptable in Shanghai, et cetera, et cetera, back and forth, reciprocity. So that's it for stock and flow. If you look at this picture here, bringing it to actually what it is, the inflow is silver coming into the vault, the alpha. I want to know where that silver is coming from when it comes in, guys. I don't care that it's coming in anymore which is why you want to pay attention to registered versus um, uh, eligible. That's important stuff. On the outflow, I want to know where it's going. Now, I pretty much know where it's going. We all know where it's going. It's going out of COMEX into China, out of China into solar and EV. It's going into industrial use. It's the inflow that I'm paying attention to now. Where is it coming from? It's coming from scrap. It's coming from mines. Is it coming at all? It may not even be going in there. It may be going directly from producer to end user. You know, the centralization isn't as important as it used to be. Just keep that in mind. And the vault is the container that's in the middle there. That's it. So let's go to, uh, let's go to the market, right? Last week in the weekly report, 
See this here? Can't really see it right there, but that red arrow on the right, there's a green, tiny green sliver. That's the open interest spiking. Now, there have been a couple articles about this since I wrote what I wrote, but let's go through this. There's a seasonality in precious metals that's not obvious to most, but it is obvious to me, having been uh, uh, in it for a while. And part of that seasonality centers around the time of year. And part of that seasonality is more of a Fed chasing cyclicality. So if you believe the Fed's going to stop hiking or they're going to ease, you buy silver, you buy copper, you buy stocks. If you believe the Fed's going to start hiking like they did in April of last year, you sell silver, you sell stocks, you sell copper. And if you look at those charts, that's what they did. It made a low below $18, I think, in September of last year. We are at the possibly, I don't know if it's the beginning or the end, it's hard for me to tell, but the CTAs, which represent the retail, which are usually wrong, but when they're right, they're right for long stretches of time, like they were in that disaster. Let me show you up there. See this? CTA started selling here, okay? And they started covering here. So they drove it up. A lot of them lost money, but the smarter CTAs made money. We're in a similar situation now. I don't know if we're at the beginning, middle, or end of it, but it's happening. So you have CTAs buying now. Are CTAs the only buyers? No, CTAs don't drive the market, but CTAs give the market more impulsive behavior. Now, if CTAs are buying, then your momentum funds are also buying. If your momentum funds are also buying, your bigger funds may be buying, they could be selling. We haven't determined that yet. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is because you're going to start seeing articles about the open interest has spiked so much, and it has. But that's because it's been so low. It's been so low. It's getting back to a normal range. Can silver keep going up? It certainly can. And in fact, I'm betting that it can. Uh, but am I married to this like this is the end of the world? No, don't be married to it like the end of the world. Just trade it. Right? My dog is barking over there. Let's take a quick look at the, uh, the chart. If you remember last week, I said, if we get into this, this old congestion area, we should run right through it. And that's what we did. Uh, we, we got into it. And in one day, we went from here to here. And the second day, we're out of it. So here's what I want to say. If you remember the chart, it was like, it was like uh, uh, permission to be excited up here. And this is the final boss. And in here is, uh, is uh, the old congestion area. So what do I think now? I think, you know, now I think you should be, you should be bullish, right? And, you know, it's easy to say that after market rallies, but I'm going to tell you where you change your mind. You change your mind anywhere between here and here if you're a short-term trader. If the market settles in or below these daily wicks, see this? You should say to yourself, not it's going down. You should say to yourself, not it's a dip to buy. You should be saying to yourself, We've tested an area that's been bought multiple times by big money. We tested it here, it went up. We tested it here, it went up. We tested it here, it went up. We didn't test it at all here. <clears throat> so there's buying there again as evidenced by today's behavior on the retracement. Will there be buying there again? Again and again, right? So every time we get down here, I want you to think that the market is weakening, not it's a dip to buy the first time down. It may not be a dip to buy the second time down. So which brings us back to the whole congestion thing. 
congestion worked, congestion ignored. You should assume, and I'm not 100% sure this time, but you should assume that if we get back into this congestion area, it should run back the other way now. So you're bullish, I'm bullish. The market settles below this wick, I'm not long. The market settles inside this wick, I'm long and nervous. And if the market settles where it is now or higher, I'm treating this like it's a little bit of a bull flag. This will be the final boss, right? We get above here, we probably run to 30, but we need to see that happen first. So as of right now, the market's down 35 cents. Oh my God, it's in the world. It's not the end of the world. It's volatility. Silver is going to get more volatile. I'm Vince. It's now 10 a.m. This has been the Silver Fix. Have a great day. Well, thank you to Vince for everything he shared in this week's Silver Fix report on Arcade Economics. Nice to always have Vince giving his perspective each Monday and hope you found that one helpful at home. Real quick before we wrap up, would like to thank First Majestic Silver brought us today's show and first majestic has their earnings coming out looks like it is scheduled for august 3rd so just a couple of weeks from now and a couple of months ago they released their first quarter production numbers which included two and a half million ounces of silver sixty thousand five hundred ninety four ounces of gold obviously that composition is going to change a little bit since they had the Jarrett canyon shutdown on march 30th so just at the end of the first quarter which as you can see here, contributed 16,341 ounces of gold, although with costs going higher than expected at Jared Canyon and some issues ramping up production there, now that Jared Canyon has been shut down, will be interesting to see the impact that has on earnings. Also, you do have a slightly higher silver price in the second quarter. Here you can see from the beginning of January till the end of March there, which included that dip down to $20. Obviously, that's when we had the banking issues in the second quarter. So should be of benefit to First Majestic. Obviously, you can find out more about their operations and data at firstmajestic.com. And again, we'll get more information on how their second quarter figures played out in just a couple of weeks. So thank you again to First Majestic for bringing us this show so we can talk about silver and gold every day here on Arcadia Economics. With that said, going to wrap up for today, but we'll see you again tomorrow.